Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Thomas Mai. And I'm Zancy Weber. The Craving Creativity Podcast is our cry for help. A way to help ourselves as creatives to talk about how we get inspired, how we create, but also how we deal with stress, mental illness, and everything in between. Now, if you're creative, you, like us, have most likely always been seen as the black sheep of your family and always making different choices than what 90% of normal people might do. Uh, not going for the safe choice, but always living a little on the edge. With the Craving Creativity Podcast, it is our hope to create a safe space where we can talk about being creative. We want to build a community of like-minded creators and help each other. Subscribe, email us, and be part of the creative journey. This is Craving Creativity, and I am Zancy Weber here with my inimitable host, Thomas Mai. Well, you say host, I should say co-host. How are you today, Thomas? I am doing well. How are you doing, (laughs) co-host? I am, yeah, I'm having a rough day. I'm feeling fine, but my legs aren't working. So, you know, it's good to be sitting down and recording a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's an excellent time to be sitting down and and, uh, hopefully your leg will be better soon. Fingers crossed. So I'm going to do you this week and it's going yes. to be uh, episode 13. 13. Lucky number 13. Lucky 13, yeah. And it's very interesting because I haven't, I have very little experience with what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions because this is your, your expertise is uh, asking people to invest, how to convince yes. people to back your project. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's it's that's that's what I wanted to talk about, and and the reason why is because if you need to get any project of a certain size that requires other people than yourself, like a film, like you know maybe a record, maybe mm-hmm. I wouldn't say a symphony, but maybe a big sculpture somewhere, right? I mean, you can do stuff on your own, but if you want to do something that has maybe potentially commercial value, like a film or or an album. You need to convince others to invest. And how do you go about doing that? It's a very good question. Yes. Usually, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I save up my money yeah. and I put my money towards. So I convince myself that it's worthwhile to spend my money on doing a project. <laughs> so, so I've produced eight films. I've talked about that before. So mm-hmm. I've raised films and I've also um, raised uh, money for films. Also run like 30 crowdfunding campaigns online for film, first-time filmmakers. And then I have um, sold hundreds and hundreds of feature films. So getting money before the film was made and also making yeah. money after. The, so that whole thing, how do you get others to invest in? I want to talk a little story. Um, so my first feature film that we made, which we didn't know was a feature film, we had very little money. We were given uh, 100,000 here and 100,000 there. Now that sounds like a lot of money, but if you're making a feature film, yeah. it's not a lot of money. <laughs> that still counts as a micro budget, right? So less than <laughs> yes, a million exactly. is a micro budget. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So what we did was we um, 
we just thought that we would just get natural sponsors. So if somebody ever sees my film called The 18th, it has the longest list of sponsors at the end. <laughs> and um, and also my short film before that. So, uh, you know, from... So when you say it was a feature length that you didn't know was a feature length, so it started out as something... It started out as a short film. And then right. in the whole process of trying to finance it, we figured out, I think I told that before in the episode, that yeah. a producer told us how many pages equals how many <laughs> minutes. We did not know that. I see. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we didn't know it was a feature film. But basically... Um, what I've learned is that it's like building a house of carts, right? And you've got to start with a cart somewhere and it's always the shakiest. Yeah. And in order to get other people to convince, you've got to get the first carts up and then top, and then carts on top of that, carts on top of that. And it's very fragile throughout and it can fall, fall apart at any time that. But how do you convince others to believe in you? And that comes down to believing in yourself. You know, mm-hmm. it's this... It's, not talking about that you have to go out there and say, I'm the best, I'm the greatest. But if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a creative uh, idea of what you want to do, if you don't have anything that you are passionate about, and when I'm talking about convincing, I'm talking about having passion as a convincing factor. If you don't have that, you're going to have a very hard time convincing yourself and other people and, and, and certainly people putting money up. Yeah. Right? So in a film project, you have to convince people to act in a film. Right? You have to convince people to invest in a film. You have to in, uh, ask people to come and work on a film. And they have to believe in what you are and what you stand for. And that's where I think that passion. And I think what's great thing about creative people is uh, we're very, very passionate. Yeah, yeah. And if you can channel that passion into <laughs> our idea of how to executing it and talking in a, in a business language, then I think you can challenge, you can, you can channel some of that in there and therefore you can persuade people but yeah. i think they need to see the passion and i think they need to see the vision for it what is the outcome what's going to be here well we're going to make a film we're hoping to get into this festival over here this festival yeah. well, distributors will be there distributors comes on they'll hopefully buy it you know <laughs> there's a lot of ifs and ifs and ifs but you need to start that journey and you need to channel that passion into your salesmanship that yeah makes no sense. i understand so basically you the person who has the idea for the the, yes. the project, yep. you need to be confident in what exactly. your vision is yes. so they and how to communicate that to someone else Yes, who then, because again, it's power in numbers. As soon as you have five people who believe in your vision, oh, yeah. they can convince other people on exactly. your behalf, I, I think. Yes. I think that's what you're getting at. Yes. And like yes. you see it all the time in casting discussions for films where like, well, if, uh, if Tom Cruise is involved, then Kate Winslet will definitely do it because Obviously. they've been looking to work together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if they're doing it, then Martin Scorsese would love to direct. Yes. Um, obviously, this is a nightmare project that I don't think would ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, there's a lot of uh, conflicts Scorsese right there with yes, Tom yes, Cruise. Yes. Um, and I think that is that ties into your House of Cards analogy yes. where it's like, yes. what if you have built this House of Cards built on the involvement of Kate Winslet and then yeah. Kate, Winslet, Kate Winslet gets pregnant and can't do an action movie anymore, pulls out. That means Scorsese's out. That means that the funding that he brought is yes. gone. And then you have to go and spend another year trying to find yes. other and, people and, 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 and then the project. The project gets in turnaround and then never gets financing again. And suddenly the investors are not keen on it. So 
if you're selling to foreign countries, they will uh, buy a film from you, pre-buy the film. So it's a pre-sale. Mm. And, but they only pay once the film has been delivered. So if you don't deliver a film, you're never going to get the money. Right. So you need to go out and make all these pre-sale deals and then tie those contracts up, hopefully with a willing bank or a willing investor who can see that, look, we've got Japan, we've got Germany, we've got France. They right. want so this Those film. kind of projects are really made on credit on the promise of having a product yes because yeah. you can't sell half a film <laughs> you can't you can't uh you can't put a half a film to cinema you can't yeah have a yeah. scene well okay winston was supposed to be here but she's not so yeah so it, 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 all those elements and often they will have a, a requirement in there saying that the person of kate winston's a similar character will be in the context so you can't right cast someone lower on that and they have all these systems and rules and numbers to sort of is that tied of, in with unions like sag and what have are they is that they Really? They dictate that? Or? No, they don't dictate at all. They get permission right. based upon the contracts being approved and everything's gone right. kosher and they follow all the rules and all that stuff. But so them and also the payments afterwards and where yeah. the money goes. But um, that's more. But but I want to get back to this believing in yourself and yeah. talking about who you are. And, and, and I think that us many creators, we are always a little bit doubtful, right? <laughs> so, oh, Will they like it? Will they not like it? Will somebody care about my work? Will they not care about my work, right? I mean, somebody- we've spoken about this before, yes. how creative people are often their own worst critic. Exactly. And so when, how how can you overcome that to then present yourself as a confident way with a yes. confident vision to someone else yes. who will then, who you are asking yeah. Yeah. For, for money? Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think there's, Confidence. I think maybe that word is a little overrated because yeah. it's just, again, I think if you're passionate enough, it will come through as confidence. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that one thing you have to ask yourself is like, how, what could go wrong? Yeah, but it could also go right. Yeah. So you have to believe, if it starts with yourself, whatever vision creatively you have, whether you have a book, right? Let's say you spent a year writing on a book. There's no publisher in the world who's going to <laughs> who's going to publish a book unless you convince them yeah. that this is a, a getting to read it. But also today's world, if you don't come with a marketing plan for this publishing company, a publishing house, you don't have a plan of how to go out on social media and podcasts and all this stuff and yeah. do the whole tour, do all these things for them, they'll not even consider you. Yeah. In order to do that, you need to come up with so my my point is with the confidence and with the belief and the passion, you really need to sell yourself and you need to learn how to sell yourself. And what's mm-hmm. amazing is that you only have to sell you and you are very unique. You don't have to be, you mentioned Scorsese or, or uh, <laughs> George R. R. Martin, we talked about, whoever yeah, it is, yeah. everyone is unique. So you don't have to be like everyone else, but you have to be you, but you have to be passionate about who you are. And I think if you could find that within you, then you can convince the publisher, the record label, the, 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 the film investment, the film fund, the, the, the TV station, whatever it is that you are trying to go through, but you need to come out with your unique vision. And not only from the creative point of view, but also seeing how this vision, because if somebody's going to give you money, you have to be able to explain how to give that money back. Yeah. And, and, and it's part of the equation. <laughs> Why should people give you money if you can't give the <laughs> money back, right? So you have to have that in mind. And I just, I don't know. I just learned, not saying I'm very good at it. I'm just saying this, those are some of the challenges I had to face now yeah. to figure things out. I think it's a, that's a very modern way of approaching it as well. Specifically yeah. in the last 20 years, yes. you, you talked about the world of publishing where yeah. in the 1920s, it was pretty easy to get published because the the 
cost involved with it was quite low yeah. because you weren't, you didn't have to get on the New York times bestseller no. list to make a profit. Yeah. Um, you basically just put a book out there. People would go to a bookstore and buy it. And yep. if they liked it, they would tell people. Yeah. And I think that now you are you, like what you just said, you have to have the passion to convince yep. someone yep. to give you money, but you also need to have a plan of how they can get that money back. Yes. Um, so you, you are treating, your project and your creativity and your passion as a business. Yes. And I think that is, that is something that creatives are not necessarily always taught or exactly. you are like, Oh, you are such a great painter. Yeah. You are, you, you should follow that up. And I'm like, well, how do I turn that into a living? Yes. Do I just paint and money will come? Yeah. Um, and I think that that is something that is, missing in a lot of creative fields is like yep. you talk about the practice of, of creation, whether that be filmmaking or painting sculpture or writing music, but very rarely do you actually talk about the business behind exactly. that and becoming, making that into a career rather yes. than just yes. being creative. Yes. Um, there is another form of this that I would like to, discuss yep. where it's not so much convincing people to give you money for that return as profit, mm -hmm. but giving convincing people to give you money for return in value. Yes. So this is, it comes from the, the old idea of like a patron of the arts, exactly where a rich person would exactly. adopt two or three artists yep. and like would ask them for a commission every, every so often, but yes. pay their costs yes. and the artists were free to, Exactly. To create and yeah. do what they will. Yeah. Um, I think now we've kind of moved a little bit, um, a little bit onwards from that into things like Patreon and group yeah. funding. Exactly. Where people aren't expecting to give you money and when you sell your art, get a little bit back. Yeah. They're expecting you to have a relationship with you and get some value exactly. out of that monetary relationship. Exactly. So whether that is you give them a, a, an exclusive interview or you give them a, a tiny commission that is, that's half an hour of your work, yeah. but is something that they can put on their wall and go yeah. like this artist, I love this artist. Um, what if I was a painter, mm -hmm. I'm not a painter, but if I was a painter <laughs> and I was starting out or trying to go out there and see how I could monetize, I would look into starting a YouTube channel Yeah, and I would go from the story of the idea of the painting and just film everything and then narrate that. Why are you choosing that color? Why are you choosing that landscape? Why are you choosing that theme? Where did the idea come from you, right? Are you listening to music while you're doing? Are you, are you painting while you are using alcohol? Are you, you know, <laughs> tell the story, right? Tell the narration. I think that more people understand how can a piece of white canvas become something unique? I think that is something that you were touching on before as yeah. well is like, you don't need to be a Scorsese, no, but you do need to be a personality. You, you need to be a story. person that you can, that, that people can see and understand and want to engage and with. And that's coming back to being you. Yeah. And that's coming back to being the unique version of you. And I don't want to use the word brand because it's just so <laughs> overused in these days, but you are basically, if you are creative, you are your own little brand well, and, and it's and your own little is, business and you've got to take care of it and you've got yeah. you to grow and you're going to, because the more value you can provide to people, the easier time you're going to have financing next time, whether yeah. it's a movie, whether it's a book, whether it's a painting, whether it's a record, whatever it is. I mean, you treat brand like a dirty word. Yeah. And I think it is, I think you do that because it is, it has been co-opted by, by marketing, yes. by, by 
what what creatives view as soulless business yeah. side of yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but a brand is really an identity and it's how you engage with the world around you as well as your work, as well as your fans. And I think another word that has had the same kind of um, poor, <laughs> poor reputation recently is influencer is yeah. like, an influencer is now is just someone who makes money off their image. Yes. But uh, you can be an influencer within your community. You can yep. be an influencer within your your location. Yeah. And that is not something that is inherently evil uh, in a creative sense. It's yep. not inherently, um, I guess, looked down upon. Whereas yep. if you are someone who... who let's just say you're, you're a musician. Yeah. And you're someone who is putting out work and you're supporting other people's work yeah. just by the power of your passion in your, mm-hmm. in your work, you can influence the way that the community around your work and then the people you engage with engage with their work and yes. the industry. Yes. And I think that is the first step to finding, uh, finding success outside of that circle, showing yes. like all these people believe in me, they have a relationship with me. Correct. Um, and I think that is, that is a wholesome example yep. of, say, uh, social media following yep. that is actually meaningful rather than just saying, well, I have 120,000 followers exactly. on Instagram. Exactly. Um, but saying, I have a really loyal 10,000 people that follow me on Instagram. We exactly. engage every day. Exactly. If I say this sort of paint is great, yeah. they will all try that sort of paint of and let me know what they think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that you've got to build that up and, again, providing value. And if people mm. like your drawings, people like your paintings and they want to follow you, they would like to go to Patreon and give you a little money. And some of them might want to buy the painting you did, but now you're doing it for an audience instead yeah. of just being a lonely painter in a lonely room somewhere. <laughs> so <laughs> now, now let me give you the advice that I've learned yeah. now that we're away from the uh, – funding of m- movies yeah. um, in the, in this forming of influence. Cause this yeah. is, this is something that every podcast tries to do. Yes. Um, and it is engagement. You have to talk to people yeah. um, and it's, and it is networking and networking is another one of those evil words when yeah. it comes to like, Oh, what can you do for me? What, what can you, what benefit can you give me? But it is, it's not always that like I have, through networking and networking events, I've met people who I love their work and we don't engage on a business side of things, but we, on a creative side of things, we definitely talk to each other and we refer people to each other. Mm. And that is, that is the power of you believing in yourself because then you'll find like-minded people and they add to your own presence. Yes. And that is your brand and your influence and yes. your network, which yeah. then leads into, once you have that, People with a business mind would like to tap into that. Yeah. So that is what you can sell yes. above and beyond your creative output. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and that comes down to believing in yourself. Yeah. And and as I said before, many creative people often they don't believe in themselves, but they are very creative. They just need to go out there and tell the world what they're doing. And I think that's important. Um, and so if anybody's listening to this and hopefully somebody can get off the chair and go out there and, and tell get us it done. what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I yeah. would like to engage with you. Yes, please uh, tell us what you're doing. Show us what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, we have an email address. It's at the bottom of our show notes. I as follow always. a lot of people on Patreon. If you have a Patreon and you're a creative person, I, I love just to throw a couple of dollars just to see yeah. what everyone's doing. Exactly. 
So that's uh, that's uh, <laughs> hopefully this this subject makes sense. That convincing others to invest, and again, it can be money, can be time, can be energy, can be network, whatever it is. But just but you got to start with yourself, and you got to yeah. put yourself out there to be open to critique. I mean, those Some are the people first are not two like cards what you do. that you have in that that house of cards. Yes, is that your passion and and yourself. Yes, yeah. yes, yourself exactly, yeah. and then you build a foundation and you build from there. Well, now we'll get into the second half. Yes. Which is our top threes. Yes. And I'm very interested in what this is going to turn out as because I am not confident that, I mean, look, no, I'm pretty confident um, that mine fit the bill. But I, yeah, it was very interesting looking for examples of what I had in my head. Yes. And it was very difficult to find specific examples and histories that I was looking for. But okay. yeah. Uh, so what what is our top three today? So top three is other people who have somehow invested in people, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh, or, I am less confident immediately. But it, again, everything is up to interpretation here. Yep. <laughs> it is whatever you <laughs> thought it was going to be. Um, I've taken it as convincing others to invest, right? So three examples of people who have, or organizations or companies that have convinced others to invest in something. And sure. I have three very different examples. So it's so very broad. My top three is a little bit more along the lines of pro successful projects that went way over budget and they had to keep convincing people to invest all the way through oh, the project. great. That's, yeah. That works as well. Yeah. It's just about convincing other people. <laughs> okay. Do you want to get started? Do you want yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so the first off is a movie. Yeah. It's, one, it's a really good movie. I don't know how it's thought of. I feel that it's thought looked down upon in in the in the film world. Yeah. Um, but I really loved it. 2005 King Kong, Peter Jackson's King yeah. Kong. Really enjoyed it. Adrian Brody, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It was initially budgeted to $150 million, which yes. big budget. Um, by the end, it was $250 million. Yep. Um, so that, and that was like all the way through production. It just kept getting more and more expensive, more yep. and more expensive. Um, and so, yeah, that's one of those projects. And again, like the, the, uh, the brand of King Kong yep. is very strong. Mm -hmm. Peter Jackson coming off of Lord of the Rings, of Rings like yep. again, really strong kind of selling points. Uh, but even so like a hundred million dollars is a lot of money to find. Um, but it, it's successful. I like it artistically. Um, but it's really interesting Really interesting because I didn't know this until I started looking for movies that went way over budget. Oh, there's many examples. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to bring up Avatar as well. Yeah. Um, but that was more James Cameron going like, look, it's going to cost what it costs and I'm going to wait for the technology to get there. And then it cost what it cost. <laughs> there's a term um, in English and I don't know what it's, you have to help me with this, but sure. it's, it's, it's called, this sounds got some scientific term where you, because you already put a lot of money in. Uh, the sunk cost fallacy. That's the one. Yep. Thank you so much. So the sunk cost fallacy, what it does is, hey, we already put 150 million in. If we let it go now, we've lost 150. Yeah. But then someone <laughs> would say, well, if you put another 100 million, you've lost further 100 million. <laughs> yeah. So Hollywood is littered with sunk for, uh, cost fallacies. Yeah. It's happening all the time, all the places, because you keep, investing, 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 trying to get your money back. Yeah. Because you need that product. As I mentioned earlier, you can't sell half a film or <laughs> not a film or a script. You have to have that product. Yeah. And so people keep investing. It's very good one, uh, Peter Jackson. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that that is one, like you can see the, the house of cards. It's very solid, like 
good chance it's going to succeed. Like people will at least go and see it once to see what the new King Kong is going to be about. Of course. Um, so you can see why they got the extra funding, but like I just going like 50% again over or almost a hundred percent over. Oh, we could talk about a lot of films that have gone over, over, over and may, many of them never made their money back. And then it's, yeah. then it's, then it's a loss. All right. So we're going to go back to the 13th century and the 14th century in Florence. Okay. The Medici family. Okay. So are you familiar with the Medici family? I am familiar with Medici family. I'm yeah. not sure uh, what you're going to bring up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about investors and talking about people investing in, um, uh, as you may know or may not know, back then Italy was, was not Italy, it was a lot of small kingdoms and mm-hmm. Florence was his own little kingdom. And there was this rich family, the Medici family. Um, who had bankers, were bankers, investors, and they would go out and be patrons of the art. Mm-hmm. And they helped sponsor Da Vinci, Michelangelo, oh. and many, many other famous works. And I just want to bring that up from a historical context, because you said that before, that, yeah, that you need to have someone to survive and to do that. And obviously... At some point, Da Vinci and Michelangelo were not Da Vinci and Michelangelo, and they had to go and prove to them that they had a vision and they had to believe in themselves. And that's what's coming back to convincing others to invest. But they became lifelong patrons for them. And because of that, we've had so many amazing artworks, which is based in in Florence, or Firenze, as it is uh, called as well. So I just want to point that out. That's my... um, take on on uh <laughs> yeah on absolutely yeah. so that that's uh so th- as they, they were the investors yes. who brought about all of this but but somebody had to inv- convince them yes yeah. i said and da vinci and yeah. michelangelo had to convince them to give them money i um i can't remember the artist's name now but i i there's a story about uh a famous patronage who hired an artist to basically create these fantastic works of art that were basically uh insulting their political rival or whatever. Um, and it was never like, this is you, but it's like, this is a person who looks a lot like you doing something weird with a donkey. Uh, <laughs> and so that's uh, yep. now a famous piece of art that yes, came from an and, insult. Um, <laughs> it's uh, they throw Martin in politics. Isn't that what they're doing? <laughs> yep. What's your second one? Uh, so my second one is another film. Very much like it, but this was a huge film, and this is 1963, uh, so back in the kind of almost the old system of Hollywood, um, and it's Cleopatra. Oh, so yeah. Cleopatra, just they just th- kept throwing money at this thing. Sucking um, cost of fallacy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, Elizabeth Taylor got had the record at the time for the biggest uh, amount of money for a film, which was $1 million. She was the first person to get that. Um, but at the, by the end of the whole filming and marketing and everything, they'd spent $44 million in 1963. I did a quick calculation to put yep. that into today's dollars. It around $393 million. It's a very expensive film. Yeah. yeah. And again, this is very similar, similar to uh, King Kong. And it's like, they just like, yeah, nope, this is going to be a great movie. Yep. Just keep throwing money at it. Yep. Um, it didn't do as well as they wanted, but, it's, it's it's a great it's, movie. It succeeded. And it looks amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's just like this is uh, – it, it was 
one of the all-time most expensive films to make. Um, but again, the development is is a, is a list of like they had to convince this person and then this person did this thing and then they, yeah. they pulled out so they had to find someone to cover that. Yep. So they went to their rival and they were like, yep, okay, we're yep. in. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it the is. The politics it? behind the production is the is as interesting as it's the film. insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, my second one is... Um, about Walt Disney. Ah. So what some people don't know is that Walt Disney, he went to Copenhagen, where I'm from, in Denmark. There's a theme park there. Is this one square block of land in the middle of the city. It's right next <laughs> to the town hall. I mean, it's the right. center of the center of the center of Copenhagen. And it's the second oldest theme park in the world. It's from 1843. The oldest theme park. Wow. The okay. oldest theme park in the world is from... I think it's 1400 and that's also in Denmark a little bit north of Copenhagen but he didn't go to that one he went to this one and he fell so in love with Tivoli it's a very beautiful place it's got tulips it's got rides it's got restaurants it's got theaters it's that he, when he was there he saw the vision of what would become mm. Disneyland okay so he was there in 1951 and in 1955 is when they opened Disneyland but he could see the vision of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Goofy. So he had this thing in his head. He knew what he wanted to do, but he had to go and convince other people to invest or give him money or borrow money. He went to one bank. He went to a second bank. He went to a third bank. He went to a fourth bank. And they all said no. He went to a fifth bank, the sixth (laughs) bank, the seventh bank, and the tenth bank. They said no. He went to the 20th, the 30th, the 40th, the 50th. I didn't know that there were that many banks. banks. (laughs) He went to the 200th bank. He went to the 300th (laughs) bank. And they all said no. The 302nd bank agreed to give him money to provide for the project. Wow. Nobody else could see it yeah, because they yeah. hadn't been to Tivoli in Copenhagen. And they couldn't understand that this guy was in Katoon. Now you want to do this theme park, which was unheard of in America at the time. Yeah. And he had to convince them about this, because, but because he was passionate and because he had a vision and because he had the confidence that he knew. Look, I saw it. I was there in Copenhagen, yeah. right? So that's how he built it. Now that's how it, it opened in 1955 and has now because he's world famous and now we have Disney World and Disneyland Paris and Japan and all the other places but just like to there was a time when when Disney did not have a lot of money and he had to go out and rely on someone else but he saw his vision and he would not give up so I like to come that little story I mean Disney is a great one to talk about when it comes to finding a way to keep going yeah because there have been I think there's been six or seven points in Disney's history where they're like if something doesn't change yep this is the end. He had to sell his own right to his own name to another company mm-hmm. in order to finance the theme park. He had to, he had to do a special deal with ABC um, uh, in order to provide them content so he could get money. So he had to go out and do all these deals to, f- to fund his Disneyland, which at the time cost a lot of money and nobody understood what he was trying and to do. And I really think Disney is a great example of that uh, combination of business person and artist. And creativity, he was yeah. He was very creative, oh, yeah. he, but he also saw the potential for it because exactly. this is another George Lucas moment where he sees the potential of the yep. merchandising yep. of his IP yep. and turns that into a reality. Well, what strikes me here and what's good about the story is that Somebody else would have stopped at the fourth bank yeah. or the eighth bank or the tenth bank. I so, probably would have stopped after 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he stopped only after 302 banks. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's just takes, I think that's very impressive. And that's hats off. And yeah, absolutely. he just believes in his vision. If they don't see what I see, I need to get this done. 302 yeah. banks. So um, that's part of the investment of convincing <laughs> others to invest and having the passion. Yeah. yeah. And, and definitely the determination. 
Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, so my final one is a building. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so the Sagrada Familia Cathedral Ooh. in Barcelona. Been there. Um, uh, you have been there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Sorry. designed by Antoni Gaudi. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, it's this huge cathedral built to fit like 14,000 worshippers, yeah. meant to look like a forest and statues on top of it. It's huge and gothic. Um now the designs were made up and the building was being built and then about 15% completed in 1926, uh, Gaudi died. Yep. Um, so it was hit by a car and it is still being worked on <laughs> to this day. Yes. Uh, they do not release the numbers of how much this has gone over budget <laughs> because it's been w- working uh, like that they plan – they're hoping to have it finished for 2026 to yep. coincide with the hundred years of since his death. Yep. But there, even now, they're going like it'll probably be a couple of years yeah. after that. But also, that's also part of the story. The, the reason exactly. why people go and visit and see you can get a tour. Yeah, that's how they make money to fund the the building. Yep. and it is impressive. And Gaudi is a very unique artist, and his designs and his architecture is just let's just say it's out there. It's absolutely beautiful, yeah. and it's definitely. Worth a trip if you ever are <laughs> in Barcelona. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this is a great story of uh, the not only the passion of the architect, but the passion of the people who originally backed him, so the city of Barcelona yeah, or whatever, exactly. going like, okay, we can we can turn even this half-finished project into a success. Yes. Because it's already a tourist attraction. Yes. It's already attracting worshippers yes. from everywhere yeah. and just tourists. Yeah. Um, so I think that is, that, that's a really interesting example of something that's like just gone on and gone on and gone on. It's not finished. It's, it's going to keep going on <laughs> for a while. Over, yeah, it's already over 100 years. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive. Um, so it's yeah. number three. Yeah. Um, so just going back to definitely worth checking out and I also need to say shout out to Tivoli in Copenhagen where I'm from it's an amazing place both as a kid because there's all these rides but also as an adult it's just so breathtakingly beautiful and it's very charming and they do a lot of different stuff uh, they have every Friday night there's a concert during the summer months you can't go there in the winter <laughs> they, they have some Christmas shows in the winter and they have some Halloween themes during Halloween but um Every Friday night, there's a free concert um, and people can cool. just get a ticket and get in there and, and watch it. And then there's also real theaters inside uh, Tivoli. But awesome. it's a lot of good food and it's just an amazing place to go. It's now and spend on my visit list. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, and it's stunningly beautiful. And it's, it's from 1843 and has, has remained a lot of charm from that period. All right. My last one is a movie. And um, The Crazy Monty Pythons. Okay. I don't um, know the story behind this. So. Okay. Um, of course, well known for their um, flying circus in the TV show they had. Yes, yeah. And they went out and made one film, which was the, um, oh my God, the first film. Was it the Holy Grail? Yes. The Monty Python, the Holy Grail, where they travel around with the coconuts. <laughs> they managed yeah. to find some money for that. And it was actually a, quite a big success yeah. because it did very well, also considering the budget that they had at the time. And they wanted to do the second film, which is called The Life of Brian. <laughs> and they had a deal with EMI, which is a record label, who mm-hmm. also at the time had, was a film uh, company. And a week before filming was supposed to start, they pulled out. Yeah. What do you right. do? What do you do? What do you do? You've got um, everything lined up. Everything, everybody's ready, except the money is not there for, to pay everyone. Yeah. And they were going out of their mind. They went everywhere and they could not find the money. And then Eric Idle was very good friends with George Harrison. Yeah. Uh, the Beatle. Mm. 
And he gave him the script, not to invest, but he just wanted to know what it was. And he read the script and he called the next day and said, I'll give you the money. Yeah. Okay. And he put up his own house as an insurance against the film. And they asked him, why do you want to do this? He said, well, I just want to see the film. <laughs> I really like this story and I want to see the film. And the film was very controversial when it came yeah, out because of its, you know. It's about the, the not Jesus. <laughs> the guy was born right next to him. Yes. Um, and and it's, it's a great film and it's worth everything. But of course, they made all their money back. But it's just a guy who is famous for being in the Beatles. Yeah. Put up the money for an iconic film. Came alive for Brian. He started what's called handmade film, which turned out to do a lot awesome. of other stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think that is weird. They didn't. They said that he bought the most expensive movie ticket ever. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah. uh, and that's that's quality patron of the arts. Yeah, yes, that's what it is. That's <laughs> what it is. Uh, yeah, exactly. absolutely. And that's again, artists helping artists is like. You know, what it is. the people who will understand your passion yep. the most yep. are other creative people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's been our episode. Uh, so thank you for listening. Let us know what you are currently looking for funding on. Yes. We probably don't have the money to fund <laughs> it for you, but who knows? Somebody um, might else might have it. If, you need, if yeah. you need $20, I can probably, probably swing that. Um, but yeah, we would love to see the projects that you're working on. Uh, and yeah, link link us in our email or, and, or, you know, just leave us a comment or, and a rating on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast listener that you are listening on uh, and until next time I've been Zane C. Weber and I'm Thomas Mike and uh, keep creating things yes please up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 